Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses. They talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone. Mrs. Jones. Yes, sir. Would you like to talk about supper tonight? It was a fail. It was a risotto fail. Well, it was only a fail if it was supposed to be risotto. It was only a fail if it was supposed to be edible. <laughs> if it was like cement, then it was a complete success. I just don't know what happened. No. I've never had a risotto so bad. <laughs> well, I've never made a risotto so bad. Okay, that's much better. But you know what? What? Ice cream redeems everything. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Or donuts. We don't have any donuts, but we do have ice cream. Oh. <laughs> Let's make this quick, then. <laughs> <laughs> We've got raspberry sorbet. I know. There's no dairy in it. And it's made out of raspberries. If right. you ignore the sugar, it's practically a health food. Well, sugar's a natural thing. Well, not the sugar that's <laughs> added to this stuff, I can guarantee it. <laughs> do you have a good week this week? I did. I know you did. Why? Because you were with me every moment of it. <laughs> because we're basically inseparable. <laughs> and I like that. I do too, most of the time. <laughs> Monday and Tuesday, we taught the school on prophetic ministry. Yes. Didn't our students do good? They did awesome. Wednesday, we took a day off work. We did. Why did we do that? Because your dad was in town. And what did we do with my dad all day on Wednesday? We ate things. Yeah, we started out with a cronut. We did. Which he loves. He does love them, yes. Well, I come by my sweet tooth honestly. You definitely come by your sweet tooth honestly. So we had a... We had a donut. The girls, our girls, our eight-year-old and our six-year-old were at school, and they missed Grandpa, so they made us take their dolls with us everywhere to take photographs of Grandpa and the dolls, mm-hmm. which we did. We chronicled our whole day with two dolls, much and to the amusement of everyone. And I think you both did really well. I never carried the dolls. It was always you and your dad, and then your dad made them look like they were eating French fries and drinking drinks and all kinds of things, so they were thrilled. He's very creative. Yes, it was very clever. He asked me not to post any of the photos online. Mm-hmm. So if you go to the show notes, you'll see photos of my father. <laughs> you can't do that. I'll ask him for permission. I don't think he'll care. Okay. I think they're adorable. So anyway, we had cronuts, and then he had what he calls a mocha that we call a mocha. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know how it's pronounced, but he declared it the best mocha he'd ever had. Well, that's good. Way yeah. to go, Honest Roasters. Way to go. And then we just took him on a culinary tour of our favorite places. We did. We took him for sushi, mm-hmm. which he had a salad instead, and we ate sushi. At Wild Ginger. That's very true. And then we drove all the way up to 12 South and got Jenny's ice cream. We did. What was the problem with doing all that driving in an electric car? Well, apparently it has a limited range, and we decided to surpass the limited range of our electric vehicle. And how did we solve that problem? We uh, floated on air into Whole Foods and plugged it in. We made it with 0% on the charger. And zero miles left, yeah. And then we just kind of charged up for a bit, enjoyed a... Mocha, and then drove home. (laughs) 
Yeah, just in time to turn around and... Well, just in time to come home and find out that the starter on our minivan had died and so we couldn't drive my dad to the airport. Yes. But thankfully, Shannon McLaird came to our rescue and rescued us. On the topic of amazing food, do you know what I discovered this week? What? Possibly the best fish tacos I've ever had in my life. Really? Where? Well, Bill Butler, being the genius that he is, said, if you want good fish tacos, why don't you come to the fish dealer at the factory? And I said, I do not know which dealer you speak of. As you don't deal in fish that often. No, but hidden in the factory is a little restaurant called Gulf Pride. Mm-hmm. And it's just a seafood store. They, they sell seafood wholesale mm-hmm. to a lot of restaurants. But they also have this tiny little restaurant, and I had these tuna fish tacos, and they were delicious. Wow. They were $3 each. That's amazing. Unbelievable. If I could eat tuna, I would go and eat those. Well, here's the thing I found out. They change the fish every week that's in the tacos. So last week it was sea bass. Who has sea bass tacos? Alan's trying to master the word tacos. <laughs> Say tacos, darling, not tacos. <laughs> um, who makes sea bass tacos? <laughs> well, I just don't know. <laughs> Do, that reminds me, that's like the verbal equivalent of the time we got those DVD exercises. <laughs> the like Slim and Six. Was it South Beach or who yeah, was, was it? Slim made and six it? something. I don't know. And we had to do an exercise where you curled your arms up <laughs> and then you kicked your heels back or something. <laughs> I just could not do it, and you would die laughing, and I would get mad and turn off the DVD. It's true, but it was so funny. Really, <laughs> yeah. coordination in some areas is is not my high point. No, but you're adorable. Thursday night we made the escapade to East Nashville. We did, and we went to the little octopus. Well, first we went to Barista Parlor. Had you been there before? Once. The last time I went, the people didn't seem like they wanted outside people there. But this time, the staff were amazing and very welcoming. Well, that's because we knew them. Well, even the ones that we didn't know were friendly. That's because one of the staff that didn't know us gave them the secret nod that said, these are outsiders, but they're okay. Okay. Well, whichever way, it was a much better experience. And I had delicious tea there. Yes, it was great tea. And then Saturday, what did we do Saturday? Well, we didn't finish talking about Little Octopus. Oh, yeah, we ate a Little Octopus on Thursday night. Good heavens, the food. It was so good. What was your favorite thing you ate? The avocado thing. The avocado thing. The avocado salad with the, I don't know what they put in it. I don't know. It had magic in it. I think that was unicorn tears. It's a unicorn tear avocado salad. Wow. It was delicious. But the fingerling potatoes were also good. I could go there and just be a vegetarian. All the vegetables were amazing. I had the shrimp something rather that wasn't as awesome. <laughs> you just said I could go there be a vegetarian. I had the shrimp thing. That was quite amusing. All right, Saturday. What do we do Saturday? We went to touch a truck. <laughs> and what is touch a truck for people who are not enlightened to the Southern pastime? Well, it's, I mean, it's weird. I heard about it last year, but I've never been to one. And, and they basically have every kind of truck you can think of set up in a church parking lot. And like, so fire trucks with ladders and ambulances and cars, everything to MJ was known by its rescue bot name. Right. Of course. But then they had like garbage trucks, recycle trucks, great big diggers, all kinds of stuff. And the kids can sit in the driver's seat and, you know, pretend to move things around. You know my favorite part? What? It was all the little children honking the horns of all the different trucks. That was the very worst part. Yeah. It was horrible. I think the worst was the police car because the officer that was standing with the car, she was letting them all run the sirens. So she'd be like, and now press this and the sirens. And I'm like, don't do it. It was so loud. Well, it was an accelerant to us leaving. 
it was. I was motivated to go. But it was cute because we uh, we got to find out just how well MJ knows his truck names because we would call them all the same thing and he would clarify. He would say, oh, look, MJ, there's a digger. And he'd say, that's an excavator, which he was correct. All those countless hours watching YouTube's kids' channel is paying off. Right. He's practically homeschooling himself. <laughs> Only right now he's found something where it's nursery rhymes, but... Spider-Man is dancing around to nursery rhymes, and it's just hideous it to is, listen to it and is to look confusing, at. confusing, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> but he thinks it's awesome. Our main topic for this week yes. is the language of heaven. Yes. You came up with that title. Yes. I don't know if I so much meant the language of heaven as building a language with God when you're learning to prophesy. Right. But building a language with God was too big for the title, so I shortened it to, to language of heaven. Okay. Oh, yes, so we're talking about the language of heaven. <laughs> well, basically the premise is that God's first language is not English. Correct. And if you don't realize that, you'll be waiting a long time for God to speak to you. Yes, apparently God's first language is actually Finnish. And theologically, that's how? Well, um, when I was in Finland, they explained to me that when Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is Finnish. And so that's how they know. That is terrible. Yes. My point, though. Yes is if you think that God speaks to you the way that you speak to other people, you might be missing what he's trying to say. Okay, explain that. Well, my big revelation was that I had to learn to hear God the way he speaks rather than demand that he speak the way I listen. Because I was thinking, well, you know, God, I pray and I fast and I read the Bible, so surely you'll just speak to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that God had been speaking to me for a long time. It's just that I didn't recognize it. Right. Because he chooses to speak in ways that I wouldn't choose to be communicated to. And in all different ways, even if it's one person. Well, first of all, Job thirty three fourteen, one of my favorite verses, says, now God does speak now one way, now another. The man may not perceive it. So the point is that God's speaking, but we just have difficulty perceiving what he's saying. Right. And the primary reason for that is we want him to speak English. And he loves to speak in parables and riddles. and. Mm-hmm. Well, we want, we want him to draw us a blueprint. Right, and he wants a relationship. Yeah. What's that verse? It's in Proverbs. It says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search a matter out. Right, so rather than him just telling you something straightforward, he gives you a riddle. Yeah. So that he gets to double the time he spends with you. He gets to spend time with you giving you the riddle. And then he gets to spend time with you when you come to him to say, could you help me search this matter out? And he's like, right. oh, I'd love to. Right. And you're like, this is fascinating. Once you understand it, it's frustrating when you don't. Right. Numbers 12, verse 6. Listen to this. It says, listen to my words. When there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. So by God's own admission, he actually favors dreams and visions. And this whole aspect of spontaneous flow of the Holy Spirit is great, but I never heard anything in my whole Christian walk, really, about teaching on dreams or visions. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I I was sort of in a different background once I made it to Toronto, so I would hear some stuff about dreams and visions, and I experienced tons of dreams. I just didn't really understand what was going on at the time. Well, my problem was, I don't know what a vision looked like, mm. and I just chalked up all dreams to poor Pizza. food choices Yeah, yeah. the day before. And I've told a story before about when God gave me a a really radical dream that came to pass several weeks or maybe months later. 
And that got my attention to the fact that God speaks in dreams. But still, knowing that God speaks in dreams and knowing what he's saying in your dreams is two different things. Yeah, for sure. I often wonder if part of why God likes speaking through dreams is we're not as in control of blocking the revelation. If oh, absolutely. Like, you know what was amazing to me is I would say a lot of contemporary Christians wouldn't think that God speaks through dreams. Really? Well, maybe not in the circles we move in, but the circles I used to move in. Right. I think if you went to several of the mainline denominational churches here in town and just said, oh yeah, God speaks in dreams, people wouldn't believe me. Yeah. But they'd be content to believe that God did speak in dreams. Right. So it's funny how we're comfortable with the way God is when we look at it in the Bible, but we're not comfortable about the way God is when it relates to us. Mm-hmm. So for example, we read the stories of Joseph and Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, and we can clearly see that God was speaking but the way he was speaking was still symbolically, and it still needed somebody to interpret it. You had this, in the case of Nebuchadnezzar, an unbeliever, so impacted by what God's saying that today we'd probably just throw it out. So it's amazing mm-hmm. that God places a high value on things that we might not. Right. How did you learn to understand what God was saying, especially when it was in, I don't want to say riddle form, but not the most obvious form? You mean in terms of dreams? Or visions. Um, I think... It's a little different for me with dreams because I don't usually dream the kind of dreams that require interpreting. Oh, yeah, you cheat. Yeah, I'm a cheater. I'm a dream cheater. But learning what he's saying through visions, I mean, I think that's where what I was talking about, hey, let's talk about building a language with God. You, When you're talking to him a lot about different things and he's giving you pictures and you're asking him questions about the things that he's showing you, you start to build a language and you start to realize that, you know, for me, certain pictures mean certain things. So I know if I see a certain, this one certain picture, that it's a thing about mentoring and pastoring. And I know as that picture changes, when there's different elements involved, what age it is that they're mentoring or pastoring. So, um, like there's, you, I've built a visual language with God. Like, and you, I know you have like different colors mean different things to you. I have some colors that mean different things to me, but ours are not the same. Right. The point is we're cultivating out of our intimate journey with the Lord, you know, what means stuff to us. So, for example, if people were to look at our emoji chats over text, me and you, that is, Mm -hmm. AJ and Alan sending stuff back and forth, there's a whole lot of in-jokes in our texts, one-word references, um, play on words, jokes that we've had for 10 years of being married that other people wouldn't necessarily get because they're not us. We we often joke about playing Pictionary with a married couple, for example, and what a nightmare that is, that they might pull up a card and and you know they very quickly draw a frying pan and the spouse is like, Romeo and Juliet! And you're like, how the heck did you get Romeo and Juliet from a frying pan? But what we're not privy to is, on their honeymoon, he was going to make her a beautiful meal. He dropped a frying pan on her toe. They were scheduled to go see Romeo and Juliet, but they had to spend the night in the emergency ward getting her broken toe fixed because he was a klutz. And for them, frying pan, oh, it totally means that time that we missed out on Romeo and Juliet. Right. And so that's a great example of this rich history that they have together. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that frying pans universally mean Romeo and Juliet. Right. And that's where it gets a little bit dangerous saying this always means that and this always means that because, you know, even when we've sit, sat down before, even when we've sat down before with, you know, Gary, 
and said, hey, what, you know, what does this mean to you? What does that mean? It's different from how you see it and it's different from how I see it as well. Well, even the Bible isn't consistent in some of its mm-hmm. symbolism. Mm-hmm. So the classic one is, what does a serpent mean? Satan. <laughs> right. But there's also that time in the Old Testament where Moses fashioned a serpent and everyone who looked at it was saved. And it was, of course, a type of Christ on the cross, yes. the sin that he bore. Right. And then there's the lion. Which, which of course, is the lion of the, the tribe, tribe of, of Judah. Judah. Except when it's not, and it's the lion, your that's enemy, that's prowling, prowling around, around yeah. like a lion. Mm-hmm. So even in the Bible, you have to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You have to have context to work out what symbol he's talking about. Right. I can just imagine some people listening to this going, what are you guys talking about? And yet, it's important to understand that actually Jesus ministered out of vision. Mm-hmm. So in John 5... Verse 19, Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. So how did he see what his father was doing? I mean, Jesus was on earth, his father was in heaven. Right. And he quite clearly says, no, the son of man can do nothing on his own. I only do what I see my father doing. So he learned to see either in vision form or through a dream what his father was doing. And that's why he had such success in ministry. Right. I think it's funny that... <laughs> That Jesus, the Son of God, learned to depend on hearing from his Father. But somehow, certainly for large periods of my life, I was like, no, I don't need all that stuff. That's all fleeking. I'll be fine with that. (laughs) Jesus does. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how'd that work for you? That didn't work out for me very well. You know, it took me a while to grasp the fact that God actually loves, even though it says so in the Bible, that he does love dreams and he does love visions. But I think the most alarming thing for me was the passages in Matthew concerning the birth of his son. So mm-hmm. here's Jesus, the most precious thing to the Father, and he entrusts his welfare to communication via dreams. Look at this. In, in Matthew chapter 1, Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant, yeah, and he has in mind to divorce her. Yeah. But instead, it says this in verse 20, When he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, yeah, we know that story. But what's interesting is God didn't need to speak to him in a dream. He could have simply brought Isaiah 7.14 to Joseph's consciousness, which says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Right. So rather than speaking to Joseph on the Sabbath, maybe in a synagogue and having somebody read out that verse from Isaiah, he chose to speak to him in a dream. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's remarkable. Yeah. And he just, again, if that wasn't enough, the wise men have come to visit them. Herod is on the rampage. And an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph in a dream and says, get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So again... Ensuring Jesus stays alive is entrusted to an a dream to a dream. Mm-hmm. So that's the value that God places on communicating to His children through dreams. He trusted His Son's life. Again, He didn't actually need to give Him a dream. He could have just given Him Hosea eleven one. Out of Egypt I called my son. So He could have again. Joseph could have just gone to synagogue, heard a rabbi teaching that, and really been impacted by the Holy Spirit. But He chose a dream. Mm-hmm. Give me an example of some of, if you feel comfortable, give me an example of some of the times you've had a dream or a vision that doesn't make sense until you had it interpreted. 
Well, I can't actually, I can't remember this particular dream, but I, I remember uh, having a dream and it was the first time that I didn't have the typical kind of dreams that I have. Right. So it was the first time that I was like, oh, this is totally from eating pizza. You know, like this is, this is not a God dream. It's so random. And, you know, there's all these different weird things in it. And, and I remember, you know, going out for lunch with Sarah and saying, hey, you know, I had this dream and whatever. And she's like, oh, tell it to me. And I'm like, oh, I don't think it's a God dream. And she's like, oh, just tell me. So I told her this whole dream. I mean, totally random dream. Right. And, As they tend to be. Yeah. And like, well, I don't, you know, because I don't have those kind of dreams very often. It seemed very strange. And there was like three different acts, if you will, like three different scenes or whatever. And at the end, she's like, well, I wonder if, and she totally read my mail, like all the stuff that I was processing with the Lord, but not talking to anybody else about, you know? And I was like, oh, uh, okay, that might've been a God dream, you know? But it was so weird. I've often said that if people knew how we got the revelation we got, they would maybe question whether we're hearing from God. And I say that okay. because because when God started speaking to me through dreams and visions, it took me so long to believe it was God because of the manner in which it came. I just thought, this is so flaky. It's so subjective. There's no way this can be God. Mm-hmm. And yet the fruit of changed lives and you know, meeting people and people saying, how did you know that? And you're like, oh my gosh, if you knew how I quote unquote knew that, you, you would laugh. Right. Because most of the revelation I get is play on words, it's pictures, it, you know, without the Holy Spirit giving me an interpretation, it means, it means nothing. So there's an old story about Bob Jones, who's a prophet, who's now with the Lord. And, um, and he was at a meeting and somebody said, do you have a word? And so he grabbed the microphone and he said, sausage and beans, sausage and beans, sausage and beans. And he sits down and everyone's like, oh, the poor man, he's lost his marbles. Mm-hmm. So that was his revelation. And that meant absolutely nothing to anybody except a mother in the audience who just lost her son. And she was just asking the father, Lord, I don't know if my son is with you in heaven or if he just, you know, was lost to hell. And up comes Bob and says, sausage and beans, sausage and beans, and sausage and beans. And this woman, her son, drove a van with sausage and beans on the side. That's what he did for a living, delivered these things. Uh-huh. And so it didn't mean anything to anybody else. It meant something to her, and it was an absolute confirmation. Right. And if he tried to interpret it, he would have ruined it. Right. So the the interpretation process, or rather learning God's language, learning the way he speaks is incredibly childlike, requires great levels of humility and meekness, and huge amounts of faith that it actually means stuff. So when I speak to you know prophet friends of mine who have got amazing revelation, I ask them, how did you know that? And when they tell me, I'm like, man, you guys took a leap of faith in saying that. Like, that's, that's unbelievable. Like, right. Gary Morgan was ministering at a church a couple of months ago, and he said he saw a young man in heaven playing a guitar, and he saw Reese's Pieces everywhere, you know, the little chocolates. Mm-hmm. So he turns to the woman and says, um, I see Reese in heaven. And I'm like, how did you know his name was Reese? And he was like, well, there was Reese's Pieces everywhere. So the woman who just has that revelation, knowing her son is in heaven by his name is astonishing. She doesn't care that the prophet got it by one of his favorite candy bars. But right. for me, I'm like, am I just hungry? Do I just have a chocolate craving? Mm-hmm. I would never think oh, that must be the guy's name. But to Gary, it was like, oh, well, you know, it was obvious. Right. I remember a prophet 
a friend of ours gave this word, really accurate word, about an earthquake hitting and the three different Richter scales in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that word was so precise. It was so accurate. That was amazing. So I asked him, I said, you know, did an angel come and give you that? Like, how did you get that? And he said, no, I had a picture of a dartboard and three darts being th- thrown and where they landed was the numbers of the Richter scale. And I was like, how did you know that was an earthquake? And he was like, no. Eh. I just did. And again, he's built up this repertoire with the Lord. Now, if I see a vision of a dartboard, I really wouldn't know what the numbers are because I don't know what a dartboard looks like. (laughs) But I would never think, oh, that's an earthquake. Right. So I guess what we're saying is in your journey with the Lord, the great place to start is read all the parables in the New Testament. Yeah. And read all the dreams in the Old and the New Testament because you'll begin to get a sense of the flavor of the way God speaks. Here's a simple one in Jeremiah. He says, what do you see? And he says, I see a boiling pot tilting away from the north. And the Lord says, yeah, you've seen correctly. From the north, disaster is about to be poured out on the land. And it's not too hard to understand the visual play there or the the play on words there. But God is just a genius. Yeah, and he wants to have a conversation. It's just that he wants to play Pictionary with you. Yeah, he kind of (laughs) does. Well, you have to kind of undo your desire to intellectually grasp everything about God. Well, you have to be childlike. Oh, it's everything such a painful kingdom, process to childlike. begin with. Yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. So that's our rambling thoughts, really, on the language of heaven. Our point was, God doesn't speak the way you think he will. He loves to speak in dreams and visions. If you're not fluent in dreams and visions, welcome to the club. But a great place to start is to be childlike, mm-hmm. to ask lots of questions, to get around people who are older and wiser, to study the scripture and learn the parabolic language that, that the Lord used. In fact, it said about Jesus, he said nothing to the people without using parables. He really loved using picture stories. Yeah. You also retain picture stories better. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he knew that picture is like a thousand words. Yeah. So there we go. We're, we're done. Feel free to send us any questions you'd like to ask us about that. Go to alanaj.com slash ask. If you were listening to us earlier and thinking, man, I'm so jealous that these students of yours got to learn about prophetic ministry we actually have a box set about prophetic ministry where we'll teach you how to hear god's voice for other people it's a five-part series you can order on cd straight from our website or you can download it in mp3 format head to alanaj.com and we'll put a link to that in the show notes last week we talked about sending us a selfie many of you have done that already which is great we're doing a little video project we would love to feature your beautiful face so on instagram or on facebook or on twitter just tag us so that we can see your photo and uh, we'll include it in our little video speaking of products we announced this week that we're doing free shipping on everything if you live in the united states apologies to everybody who lives in this part of the world yeah, sorry about that it's really expensive we're so sorry so sorry and Halloween, a topic we do not like talking about, but everybody asks us about at this time of year. If you go to alanandaj.com slash Halloween, you can get access to our teaching that we did a couple of years about that. We highly recommend that. And finally, if you want the show notes for this episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 72.